Hi everyone. Hello, welcome to of SV Tropical Dawn or Sailing Tropical Dawn rather. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're back on our boat for this one to record it. Still in Saint Helena on the mooring of of Georgetown. We actually uh, Georgetown, Jamestown. Georgetown is actually the the town in Ascension, which we probably will go to next. I think that's why I keep messing it, mixing it up. And today is the 19th of May. 19th of May, 2023. Yeah. Um, we wanted to chat. We had a little an episode about our first impressions of Saint Helena. Now that we've been here for a month, we wanted to do one with like like our impressions of Saint Helena after one month, because obviously we we got to know the like the people and the place a little bit better. And yeah, also just an update on how we are and what we've been up to, right? Yeah, so how are we? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think we mentioned that we've had like our our doubts about continuing and then feeling more motivated to continue. Like it's, I think it's it's a given. I mean, it, it might say as much about sailing and cruising as about our just personalities, both K and mine, that we just have like up, up days and sometimes it's more down days. And some days when we just don't really feel like doing anything or sometimes we don't even feel like yeah continuing sailing mm. uh, we're definitely motivated to keep going so yeah like we said we're probably gonna go to ascension after this but we're gonna stay for at least another month um, and then to ascension and then to brazil either to cabodelo or recife and then after that we'll see all right yeah and yeah sorry and we've meant we, we actually moved from one mooring board to the other because it's been the last week it's been a bit bouncy yeah the swells seem to have increased i think it's, yeah. w it's we're going into winter now so yeah, there's a little bit more rain definitely more wind uh, yeah and more swell yeah so we we moved from like the mooring boys that are like further away from the island so there's actually th kind of three rows of mooring boys here where all the boats who look visiting yachts more and we were on the on one of the ones on the outside so farther away from the island now we moved to one on the inside i don't know if it made a huge difference because we ch changed that yesterday and it still feels quite bouncy but it feels uh, it feels like i can deal with it better i don't know maybe just the no, I, think that it, I do think it's a little bit better yeah. um i uh yeah just quite sorry just to talk about that a bit yeah. so um First of all, we wanted to move our boat oh, yeah. for a few days, but we figured out after trying to start our engine that there was a problem with the engine. And Which, yeah, also, so what happened when we arrived, just before we arrived here in St. Helena, we were motoring because there was no wind and we just wanted to get here before uh, sunset because it was around the new moon, so it would have been pitch black otherwise. Uh, so we were motoring, then the engine started to have a bit more smoke than we were used to. Then I tried to adjust the throttle. throttle. Then the engine started to do weird things. Then I, we turned the engine off, and then when I turned it back on, we had trouble starting the engine, and it was acting weirdly. But we managed to get it going again, and we managed to get here. But since then, we hadn't started the engine. Yeah. So we tried to start the engine. It wouldn't take. It was like trying to start, but it wasn't actually taking. So we decided to like do the f full service. So we replaced all the filters the and the fuel filters, the fuel so filters three, first. Three yeah. fuel filters. Like there's a primary, like pre-filter, the main like order 
separator filter and then the, the secondary filter. Yeah. And we replaced the air filter, which looked very gross. Yeah. It was full of oil. Because... Because of, yeah, you can say what, what um, happened. So what happened was, this was the second time it happened, first time it was me. <laughs> so when we were, when we had these issues with the oil, we wanted to, we decided we want to check the oil. I mean, with the engine, we, uh, when we were almost here, we decided, okay, let's just check the oil. Maybe there's a problem with the oil. But oil we, level, yeah. The oil level. So we decided to check. I decided to <laughs> do that while the engine was running. One advice, never check your oil level while the oil... Because it's like under so much pressure process, it's very hot. Like luckily it didn't get burned, but the oil just squirted out all over. Like the whole yeah, there was just oil everywhere. I was panicking because now the engine is like not doesn't have enough oil. Anyway, yeah. we managed to sort that out. But all as well, it, nothing bad happened. But yeah. they did end up with the oil, like the air filter, Got being full oil of in. oil. Yeah. So we replaced that also. But then it still the engine still wouldn't start. So um, well, it started, but it ran very low revs. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm interrupting you. Yes, <laughs> it was running very slowly, and then after a while, it died. Okay, and then um, okay, at least we got the engine to run for a little bit. So we just figured out okay, we, at least we can let it run a little bit. Even though it didn't sound quite right, like it wasn't running at full steam, even though the throttle was on full. Yeah. We thought, okay, let's just take this opportunity to do the oil change, so let's just heat the engine up a little bit so that we can do the oil change. So yeah. that's what we did yesterday. There was a bit of arguing about how long we have to run the engine <laughs> for. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just, it's long enough. It's like noisy and, and smelly. And then we said, we have to run the engine for at least half an hour. And I was like, oh, do we really have to run the engine for at least half an hour? And then, anyway. We, we did the oil change. We did the oil change. And then, oil, and oil filter. And yeah, we got the, all that done. We tried the engine again. It sounded a bit better initially, but then still, like not as like power, not the power that we used to having on our engine. And then eventually, Demi figured out that it was probably the um, stopper cable. So on yeah. on the marine engine to stop the engine, like you can switch off the ignition but it doesn't actually need electricity it will keep running so how you stop the engine is by pulling a lever which cuts off, cuts off the fuel so the diesel going into the engine and that lever has been a bit problematic i mean kate mm -hmm. struggled to pull it out but uh, it doesn't actually automatically return so it was half out so it basically <laughs> restricted the flow of diesel going into the engine which completely explained why the engine wasn't running fine so once we push that in the engine runs like it feels like it runs better now than it ever has. <laughs> yeah, so we were very relieved yesterday because the engine was just like one of a few things. I even made it. was so I was so annoyed or frustrated yesterday that I made a journal entry about all things <laughs> that are wrong on the boat. <laughs> the other thing being the our our radio, radio. not the, not the VHF radio. Yeah. We got a little car stereo that we use. Well, we have mainly been using it. I mean, now we've been using our little portable speaker. But we, we can play like CDs. music, Bluetooth from it, yeah. CDs, which is what the main use for it because mm -hmm. we haven't connected the VHF antenna, uh, the FM antenna yet. Yeah. And, and I, got I, some I got audiobooks yeah, yeah, exactly. from so the I was, library. I was really annoyed that I couldn't play my audiobooks. I think you were more annoyed that you tried to fix it and then you opened our panel where all the electrics are and the cables behind there, it's. Yeah, Shit show. Yeah, I mean, um, on the one hand, I feel like I want to change it, but on the other hand, it's such a massive job, and there's so many cables, which also means there's so much room for things 
going wrong when you we would have to replace all the cables which would be a massive job uh, in theory I could do it myself but like also it would cost a lot of money all the new cables it would be a massive job and there's like also I feel like there's so much space for things going wrong and then things that are working now to stop working that like I'm, I'm hesitant to, to start it even and the other thing that's not working is our stove, which hasn't been working since we left. Our gas stove. Our gas yeah. stove, since all this favorite. We did get that off the boat this week, uh, and, and hopefully somebody will look yeah, at it. Yeah, I mean, we actually talked to two people. We actually, this episode, we want to talk about St. Helena, about the people here, a little bit about the history and like just our impressions. So we'll mention a few people that have like helped us oh, yeah, figure so all these things sorry, out. Sorry, but nothing, it's not. I'm still busy venting about what's not working on the boat. So the fridge. You took out your. I took out my journal to check what. <laughs> <laughs> what have what you have I to done today? <laughs> but the bridge hasn't been working since we left Pelvis Bay as well, which is well, it, also it, another electrical when, issue. Yeah, when we, we we got the boat, it was working kind of, then it kind of stopped working, then it was working again. So I think, anyway, I've got an idea what it could be, but I haven't felt motivated enough to actually yeah. I think go check it. I know we need to talk about Santelina, but I think that's like part of how we are, like yeah. how we're feeling. I think that that's like why we sometimes become like demotivated or overwhelmed is like you have to be in the right state of mind to be able to tackle all these things yeah, and, I mean, and again, we're not like, always in yeah. that state of mind you no, know? also I mean it's, it kind of feels this, and while this baby we were there for three months and then the last week we were still like things, scrambling yeah. to get things fixed which we actually the whole reason we were in Walvis Bay was to fix things and then all the things mm. we were we didn't want to outsource because we could do it ourselves. Yeah. We ended up doing it in the last week. So actually, this week has been after a month, been the first week that we actually did some things. But I think it's just also like you said, our personalities. That's yeah, just how just, we are. Yeah. But Which I think after, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think after sailing, even if it's only for ten days, you do need a bit of time to yeah, like enjoy. You need to get some joy out of the experience. Oh, so. just some some sleep and just <laughs> some days of doing nothing. So we've had days where. We didn't leave the boat and we yeah. ended up either reading or yeah. watching series or movies, which is mm. nice because we, we used to do that at home and like, yeah. I mean, that's just our comfort. It's but what, the, what, on the other side of it, what I want to say is being here on the island, it's just naturally a very relaxing place mm. <laughs> to yeah. be. Like you naturally like just like zone in to this like frequency of well, like at least chill. We, we do. Because yeah. I've heard other people who like don't like it here because they're they struggle with like they want to get oh, things yeah. done and then for them it's like it's painful it's yeah. actually yeah. Uh, but we actually settle i mean i think that's why our first impressions mm. i think our first impressions are the same as impressions we've had now i think we were just a bit hesitant to say too much Please. about that because we would only been here for a few days yeah. but i think our first impressions definitely have just been kind of confirmed yeah definitely it's yeah okay. yeah so this is like a really lovely place, <laughs> even we, though we love it, there, yeah. there isn't, I mean, we haven't seen much more, I mean, we went on one tour, so we've seen one day's worth of more of the island. Which is the inland, because inla yeah. the interesting thing about St. Helena, it's like when you, well, from whatever side you approach it, even if you come by airplane, I've heard like when you land, you it looks like you're going to land, crash, crash into, into the rocks, because the, rocks yeah. the, the uh, airstrip is just on, on the flat bit above the rocks but like from all sides it's like very steep and like brown rocks like old uh, like, lava yeah. like it, it was a um, volcano. volcanic but yeah. long long time ago apparently it's one of the oldest uh, lands like, like, like I don't know how do you take like the geological mm -hmm. age of the island is very old 
Um, but it's very like brown and like very like a little too much green. And then, but yeah. once you and also in when you so the Jamestown is like um, on on the it's the only town that's actually on the near the water and it's also the only way to get onto it's the, the only town actually it's, it's also the okay. it's only town but it's also the only way to from the water get on onto land because all other sides are just like first of all steep rocks and also just the water is like so rocky it's like there's no way to land anywhere but here mm. so that's why the the town is here but like we've basically for except for one day we've only been either on the boat or in Jamestown and then and actually Jamestown itself or at least the part we walk into is like just so small but yeah. it's, it's, it's it's a little the, town it's like yeah I mean there's not much to do unless you if you love being in the water if you love diving if you yeah, love fishing, fishing if you love uh, nature but if I you just love being in nature yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or like if you're really gonna immerse into the like the culture of the island. And, yeah, I get to know the people, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's a, the yeah. main attract. I mean, the nature attraction. and the people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, is, or, I mean, history, if you're into history and you, you know, some mm. people come here just for the link with Napoleon, which we'll, we'll chat about, about a little yeah. bit. We'll mention a little bit of the history. But, um, yeah, no, that is. But, yeah, I, I think for us, I mean, it is our, the first island we sail to like and this is an island this is one of the most remote most remotest islands in the world uh it's yeah i think you've mentioned it it's like i think more than 2000 kilometer from the nearest land um and yeah it is a tropical island because we're in like we're quite close to the equator but it, it's the interesting thing is it feels on the same time it feels very maybe that's also why it's easy to adjust here that it's actually yeah, it's this weird mix of, of being like almost very British, European, like European, well British is not the same as European, but yeah, and at the same time feeling like quite tropical. It's this interesting mix and it's like I think what, like I think what I loved about Cape Town is that it's this kind of melting pot, because people, because of the history of like ships arriving here, which also we'll talk about it in, in, uh, in a bit in this episode. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's formed like the culture of the island so much mm. and it, it just, it just really, I guess is why we, we wanted to go sailing to find places like this and to ex experience them. I'm sure we'll meet, we'll find other places that are like this, this is just the first we've been to, but even like, I mean, we'll also mention a little bit the people we've met, which is both uh, saints and, and then other yachts and even people like because it's like on the way between South Africa and the Caribbean which is kind of like if you're doing circumnavigation it's your last stretch but if you're starting in South Africa it's the first stretch um, so many sailors stop here and still I mean have throughout history uh, and even people who've been here like we've met people who've been here 10 or 20 times and they still they enjoy every time they come here they just yeah, it is a very special place. I think even people who've been to a lot of other places still say it's, it is a special place. Like, there's other special places in the world, but this is definitely, like, yeah, definitely has its very unique charm and, and attraction, right? Definitely. Um, I was supposed to go back to the airport. Uh, ah, yeah. Because um, when we went on our tour with Robert. Yeah, that's actually one of the people we've met, yeah. Robert. Um, the he was telling us how the airport uh, runway was built wrong. 
It's his words wrong. <laughs> they built it wrong. So apparently, like, because the way it's built, it catches the wind. So it was pretty hectic at first for the. Someone told us it's like they saw, uh, uh, like, on National Geographic or on one of the TV shows, like, the, the most difficult uh, or the most dangerous uh, airports in the world. And apparently, St. Helena is, like, somewhere in the top 10 of the m most difficult or like for a pilot to land safely yeah and uh, the reason why they built it that way was apparently because they didn't want to disturb some spiders and it was a bit like it's like <laughs> like i mean it was clear from the way he talked about it that it was like who cares about these spiders <laughs> but on the other hand it's pretty cool that they care about the that yeah. somebody cared about the spiders but uh, yeah. yeah i think it also says a, a bit, bit of, which we've already, we actually already noticed in the first few days we were here but there's definitely on the one hand like yeah, I mean, like in any town or village, there's like people who are more like concerned with like nature and environment, and other people who are just like, mm. what's the point? Like, yeah. let's just build this freaking highway, or let's build this freaking um, airport. Mm. So we we got a bit of that, like hearing from Robert how he was like kind of like, what do his spiders actually matter? Like, we, yeah. we needed this airport more than we need the spiders. <laughs> but on the other hand, there are like. It's because it's such a remote island. There are some indigenous um, species, like own, that are unique to the island, and I think these spiders might be one of them. So that's why you want to conserve it. So yeah. it's like, yeah, it's just interesting to see how, like in any community, I guess, but especially in Kew, it's it's a small island in the middle of the ocean. So you got four thousand people about living together, and like in a small town. And like obviously you got different people with different ideas and it creates I wouldn't say it creates conflict here but it's like I guess some tension between people who think different things are important. And the the other um, aspect of the island that I think creates that has probably creates uh, the culture of the island well it has definitely created the culture of the island to a large degree, but especially the way people think is the way that people used to access the island. Yeah, yeah, so the maybe we I, I need to find the history book because I forgot the. Uh, I'll get it for you. Yeah, you I mean I don't want to say any wrong things, but so basically uh, Saint Helena, it's like it's a small island in. I mean you have to look it up if you don't know where it is exactly. It's like it it feels like it is definitely closer to Africa. Actually, when you see like West Africa sticks out further west than where we are, so it feels closer to Africa, but it's like one third between. African continent and uh, South America, and um, that it's like, like you said, very remote. But on the other hand, it's like kind of right on the trade wind route from, like we said, from South Africa towards the Caribbean. But it also was like back in the days before the Suez Canal, because now most most shipping between Europe and the West towards uh, the East goes via the Suez Canal. Um, but before that opened, which was I think in 1899 or something, end of the 19th century, all shipping went around uh, Cape Africa. of Good Hope, yeah. and this was like a really good stop, like kind of right in the middle to like reprovision, and so it's that like that's why it became important, and like that's why it's not surprising that the Portuguese discovered it first, because they they were like, I mean. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, 
They were exploring for it. Yeah, yeah. and they, like a lot of places were discovered by Portuguese. And a lot of times it's like they didn't discover it because there were already people here. Here it's like they it wasn't a deserted people. island. There yeah. wasn't people before, so they actually did discover it. Um, but yeah, so actually in 1502, it was uh, which won the Novel Castella was the first one to actually find the island. And for a long time, for a number of years, the Portuguese were the only ones who knew about the island because they didn't want to share this info with the Dutch and the British or the other ones who were using this, this route mostly. So what they would do is that they would, um, <clears throat> a lot of these uh, people on the, on the boat, sea, seafarers, would uh, suffer from scurvy. So what they would do is that if they were on this route, they would drop them off on the island and give them some time to recover. And then the next ship would pick them up. Yeah, so and then these people who were dropped off on the island would like build, they built like a chapel, they built small dw uh, dwellings. Yeah, all in now Jamestown is. Yeah. Because it was actually called, I mean the valley is still called Chapel Valley because the Portuguese built, built the, the chapel there. Chapel, yeah. Which then the British actually destroyed, destroyed them yeah. up with a church instead. Put a church on top of it, which is obviously it. Well, anyway, yeah. <laughs> I guess how things go. Um, but what's really interesting is that the first official inhabitants of the I island... I to find his name now. I'll tell the story and Demi will look yeah. for the name, but uh, yeah. uh, he was a... He was, um, ferry service, ferry service, oh, ferry service. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, we have to turn on the VHF radio. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit also about our fellow, fellow yachties, uh, including Trinity over here, still here. Um, yes. So the first inhabitant of the island, how he came to be here, was... Uh, it's actually, sorry, Don Fernando Lopez is his name. Yeah, Don Fernando Lopez. He was, uh, he was part of the uh, Portuguese fleet, uh, or na yeah. navy, I guess, yeah. and they were placed in Goa, India, um, and they were put there to set up, um, they were, well, they basically set up, what do you call it? Like, they had to protect the Portuguese position there yeah. in Goa. And what happened was when the Portuguese left and they left their people, then the people kind of started mixing with the locals and some got married. Yeah, local wives. They had children some and they just kind of became, like... Some uh, converted to Islam, I yeah. think. Yeah, and they just kind of uh, abandoned their posts. Well, that's how the Portuguese at least saw it. Yeah. So when the Portuguese came back, um, they dealt with the, these people very harshly. So uh, this so Lopez guy... F, uh, just a uh, content yeah. warning, like the next, like... Oh, One minute is, is a bit brutal, so just skip to the, a minute if you don't want to hear uh, any brutality that the Portuguese inflicted on the people who didn't, who didn't follow their orders. So, unfortunately for uh, Fernando Lopez, they, the, his punishment was they cut off his nose, cut off his ears, cut off his, cut off right, his hand. right hand and his left thumb. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was what his punishment was. And then... They were going to take him back to Portugal to serve whatever punishment he was going to. Well, you think that was probably his punishment, okay. but yeah. So then, they on the way back, they stopped at Saint Helena, or close to Saint Helena, and he he decided to jump ship because he was feeling really uh, ashamed of of the way he looked. And now. probably also for, for what he had done. What yeah. done, how people back in Portugal would, would perceive him. Perceive him, yeah. and it would have been very clear. Like I mean, anyone. I mean, he was disfigured. Like he, like yeah. So he jumped ship. I mean, jumped from the ship. Yeah, <laughs> came that, to the that, island. That's where the, 
expression jump, jump ship jump ship comes from. But you jump onto another on another ship. No, jump ship is means you, you jump, jump off the ship, ship to actually yeah. go to land and you actually abandon your post. And he came to the island and he ran away from uh, his comrades on the ship and ran into a little hill and he basically decided he was going to stay on the island um, on his own. And at that time it was quite okay because there were a lot of fruits um, growing on the island. I think that, that left first goats because that was what people did. Like they they would leave goats on an island so that the go like there would be they would meet, meet for they, the next yeah. next boat. Um. So that also his fellow uh, seafarers uh, felt took pity on him and they would they brought some chickens to the island. They left. So before yeah. they left for Portugal, they actually left some some supplies for him. Yeah. yeah. And then every time they would come to the island, they would oh, look for yeah. him and they so could... So any Portuguese ship would, sorry, would leave, leave some supplies. Sorry, I'm getting the very severe eye roll from there. <laughs> for interrupting. Yes. Sorry for interrupting. Um, carry on. No, no. I don't know what to have last night, I turned it thought, sorry. Yeah, so they would just leave, leave some uh, supplies, but every time he would see a ship, he would actually hide. So Dewey was around, because they could see his little hut, but he wouldn't, he didn't want to see any Portuguese, maybe also because he was still feeling too ashamed, or maybe because he wanted to stay. Eventually, uh, they managed to convince him to go back to Portugal. The Pope uh, basically um, told him that his, his uh, sins were forgiven, uh, but he just couldn't adapt back to high life in Portugal, or he just loved the island so much that he actually came back here and he uh, stayed here for many more years till he died. So he was the first like permanent inhabitant of the island. Wanna say more about no. I don't know what what else there is. Um so uh just to go back to the the HMS. Oh, that's a lot jumping a lot forward. What the boat? HMS um, which one are you talking about? The mail ship. Yeah. That's like that's like the 1960s. We skipped skipped the whole part. I don't part. think there's anything else you want to say about well, history. Well, well, except that uh, at some point the oh, yeah. British found the island because it's like you really have to like if you don't know where it is, it's really by chance that you would sail upon it. But the but the British and the Dutch who were like we said sailing this route also a lot discovered it. Um, I think at some point there was so the Portuguese didn't have a permanent settlement here. So the British just decided, like, well, we're gonna just stay here. Uh, then I think the Dutch tried to take it from the British at some no, point. From the Portuguese? No, no, from the uh, British. The Portuguese okay. never tried to defend it. Okay. Uh, the the Dutch tried to, like, kind of well, not invade, but like take over the island, and the British fought them off again. And then after that, uh, um, East India Company. So the British East India Company was basically ruling the whole of. India uh, took possession of it. So the East India Company was basically under like the, the king or queen, I think it was back then king, of England basically gave them permission to do, to basically run all the territories. So the, it became like run by the East India Company for until, I don't know, somewhere in the uh, 19th century. But it was basically like it was also, so they had like, I think they had troops here then to kind of defend it so that the Dutch or the Portuguese wouldn't try to take it. Yeah, and there's some uh, really cool um, 
battery or what do you call it? Yeah, yeah, old yeah. like where the Ports. cannons used to be yeah. for fortifications. Yeah. Just um, uh just off like uh Jamestown. You can actually walk to it. We walked to it the well like it's quite a easy walk from Jamestown, but it's like fascinating because it's this old building that's like half fallen in and then this old I mean the the guns aren't there anymore but you can see where the guns used to be and then another part is like where a lot of the I think local youngsters like put their graffiti so like some of them says nineteen seventy and there was also the war frets which is apparently one of the local gangs which obviously it's not like gangs gangs like but like just like I guess just local kids who like would hang out at the wharf, which is, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the wharf also, I think. Um, yeah, it's quite cool to see, like, yeah, the people, like, it's a, it's a very cool, it's one of those abandoned places that, like, I guess, kids or young people like to hang out because it's away from, from the parents and, like, they can make their own, like, place. But actually, yeah, it's, it's, you can, I mean, there's some parts of it look very old, like, you, you still see, I think it even as the, East India Company initials on, on some of the buildings, but mm. yeah. Want to say anything else about the history? I want to say about the. Uh, there's a there's a really big fort actually at the top of yeah. one of the high knoll. Yeah, one of the hills, yeah. mountains here, yeah. um, one of the peaks uh, that we actually went to. It's really really big, hey. Yeah, it yeah. Looks, I mean it's not big when you compare it to European fortresses, but it's a big fortification. Like it's. It's like the inside is the size of a football field, I would say, or a bit bigger even. Yeah. Also, had like on one side where the, you could see where they used to have the gun. It's Apparently, like, at some point, there were 200 cannons on the island. Mm. Um, now, I think it's down to 50 or something. Yeah, and some of them have like fallen down, like yeah. some of them are actually in the water and stuff. But like, yeah. Just to think, on such a small, in such a small place, yeah. there were like 200 cannons. Yeah, so <laughs> they, like, they did defend the, like, yeah. the, the British. I don't think after the Dutch tried to take it, or they, I don't think they have to actually had to defend it, mm. but I guess it was important enough for them to like make sure they were ready to defend it if they needed to. So it just shows how important it was back in those days. Uh, before steamships and especially before Swiss Canal. Okay, just a little pause. Okay. Yeah, so it was a little pause for a tea break. <laughs> pee break. Tea break. Not a tea break, yeah. Um, yes. The, the cannons, I know, yeah. So also like the islands, like kind of like, these are all around Jamestown because that's all, like you said, that's the only way to get onto the island. All the fortifications. I mean, as far as we know, I don't think there's any on the other side. Because you can't really. But I remember some in one of the stories we heard somebody climb the mountain. Yeah, to get I think that was yeah. when when the I think that was when the Dutch took took it from the British and the British to take it back climbed on the other side of the island. Someone climbed up a like cliff face, cliff yeah. face, yeah. so they could attack from the back. So like, yeah, anyways, if you love history, there's like yeah, there's you definitely here. read yeah. a lot about uh, Saint Helena. It's it's nice because like yeah, Kay became member of the uh, local library, which. Or was it was cost 20, 25 pounds and now it's a refundable deposit. deposit yeah. So we actually they've got a lot of very interesting books, like mm. a lot of books on Saint Helena history, a lot of books on Napoleon, which mm. we'll just get into now. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. obviously other reading as well. Yeah, yeah, but like yeah, that's, that's like one of like I haven't actually been to a library since I was a, a kid. Like it's just uh, 
I get excited again. It's like because I want to get like all these interesting books about interesting topics. <laughs> anyway, we've, so we learned most of this from the one book, which is actually I'll just say Saint Helena, including a section on Tristan da Cunha by Tony Cross, which was written in 1980. Uh, so when they talk about Saint Helena today, it's actually also now history, but it's it's quite interesting to read. Uh, both the history and then what is like about St. Helena today because it also gives you a bit of sense of history of like yeah, 50 years ago or 40, 50 years ago. Cannons? Anything Napoleon. else? Napoleon. Napoleon, yeah. yeah. So, um, actually, well, we all know Napoleon, I think, uh, was an emperor of France for a while. Started off as a general. Anyway, he, he was defeated in Waterloo. I think that's like the, the thing most people remember. And after that, he was sent to Saint Helena. I think that's also it definitely like if anyone knows Saint Helena who hasn't been here, they probably know it because Napoleon spent the last uh, years of his life here and died here. Um, anyway, I've been reading a lot more about Napoleon because I felt like yeah, it was interesting to see the place he lived. But like I felt like uh, except for what I learned in school and history lesson, I didn't know that much about Napoleon. So it's been interesting. Anyway, he. He was um, exiled. exiled here, and um, he first you know, stayed in a few places, but mainly the place where he stayed was in uh, Longwood House. Longwood House, yeah. which is like on the on on the top, like towards the southeast, which is the way the wind blows from. So it's actually a bit exposed. When we were there, you could see the the clouds coming in. So it's quite. Humid. It's like definitely different uh, climate than yeah. than here. Uh, was quite a sm small house. Yeah. Well, and he was there with like some of his marshals and generals and his servants. Servants and and yeah. Anyway, it's quite interesting to to, to see like this place. I mean, I didn't feel for me it didn't feel special. It's not like it has no. a special meaning for me, but no. it's just it's one of those things. Like yeah, if you're into history, uh, we actually went together with. Um, Fellow like German yachts or on board Udo no, but Endo, Udo and Heike. Yeah. Uh, uh, we met them in in uh, Wolves Bay. I think we mentioned, might have mentioned them before. Anyway, we we wanted to do the tour, but uh, Robert, who we did the tour with, uh, does the tour for at least four people. So we actually waited till they arrived, and then we did it together. And they wanted to do it exactly on that day, which was fifth of May. Yeah. Yeah, which we didn't know, but it was the day on which uh, Napoleon died so it meant that like actually the museum was free normally it costs 10 pounds and 5 pounds per person usually I thought it was 10 pounds no. per person no okay um, so we got this go there for free and also there was a French contingency uh, or contingency in it anyway anyway French people came specifically uh, for to see the Napoleonic site, so it's it's Longhouse, uh, Longwood House. It's uh, the Briars where we stayed for a while before uh, when they were preparing Longwood House for him, and then uh, the tomb, the where tomb, tomb yeah. sorry, where he was buried, but his now his uh, remains have been transferred to Les Invalides in Paris. So those were the three sites they went to. We didn't see the Briars up close; we just saw it from afar on the. Tour, but we did go to the tomb, which is quite a special place. Mm. Normally, apparently, normally it's not accessible, but because uh, because it was it's like 
well, the French were coming, <laughs> and uh, they had a bit of a special like a ceremony. ceremony there. Yeah. So the the French uh, tricolore, the blue, white, red flag was hanging over the tomb, and they put like this those black drapes around it. Like I mean, it felt and quite special. We right? even had uh, some wreaths made. Ah, yeah, yeah. As part of the ceremony. Yeah. yeah. But we didn't see the ceremony itself they because actually, we got there before. They just arrived as we, yeah. we, uh, as we left there, so we got to see that. It's but a beautiful valley where, like little valley where it is, which apparently Napoleon, just before he died, said to one of his, the people of his, around him, like, that he wanted to be buried in, uh, in Les Invalides, which is where, I think, his soldiers, it was like, uh, Les Invalides, the invalid, basically, where the people who, um, Soldiers would go, it's like a hospital, but like also where soldiers were buried and he wanted to be buried amongst the soldiers. Anyway, if they would not allow it, the, the British, then he wanted to be buried there because it was like, I think his favorite spot on the island because yeah, it was, it's very uh, green and lush and now they've actually, so the French uh, actually own uh, the Briars where he stayed for a while, uh, Longwood House and the, the the place where the tomb is and they actually have a few people which are local people here from St. Helena but uh, employed by the French to keep it nice uh, and yeah they actually uh, planted some flowers in the valley it's, it's a beautiful valley like it's definitely when you come to St. Helena it's worth a visit even if you can't get it's to the tomb because yeah. the tomb is just a, a rock like you can't go into the tomb actually um, I mean not a rock like a big tombstone you know? yeah um, but it's, it's definitely worth just to, to go visit it. And what is quite cool is that um, there's three people that manage those gardens uh, where the tomb is, as well as, like, I think the Longwood House. And the Briars. And the Briars, yeah. And uh, we got to speak to one of them. Yeah, I was actually there because yeah. he was, like, yeah, taking care of it. So we actually asked him mostly about the plants. But also asked him, uh, well, asked him if he's seen the inside of the tomb or like is there anything inside the tomb now that Napoleon's been removed and he said that apparently they'd been there like six months earlier and it opened up the, the French. tomb yeah, the French, so this, yeah. they sent the French engineers to just check the integrity of the tomb yeah to make sure there was no water inside the yeah tomb. and that the thing wouldn't like collapse or fall like be destroyed uh, he also said that I think it was like 15 feet deep and yeah. there were two like be like benches on either side yeah uh, which was Inside kind of, there. he sounded a bit freaked out about that. He did, <laughs> about he, that. So he didn't go into the tomb, but he yeah. did look in when they mm. opened it. Yeah. And apparently the French engineer spent two days there just to make sure everything was, was fine. Yeah. Which, like, I mean, just seeing that the French flag is there, we were actually talking about it. Mm. It's uh, quite amazing that it's so important to the French that they, like, actually spent this much effort and money on it. Mm. So Napoleon obviously was important to them and that's well, I guess one of the mm. reasons I wanted to read a bit more about Napoleon which is like it's very interesting I mean yeah very like there's definitely more sides to Napoleon than I guess as what well yeah. what you mainly hear is like the British side of the history where it's like he was a basically a tyrant who invaded like most of Europe which is true mm. that's part of the story but there's m more to it and uh, it's, it's I mean I wouldn't say he wasn't a tyrant but there's also I mean I guess it was an, a very interesting person so yeah we actually had a bit of a discussion about that to say yeah. that after everything that the British actually did which is, a lot of it was far worse 
in India and yeah. like in, in, in British territories and around the world. But they really, I mean, uh, you can't really put one over the other, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's, um, it's, it's history and it, but mm. it's, it's, I guess what's interesting is to just see how history and even a person like Napoleon is at the end just a person. Yeah. And he lives in this, ended up living in this small house, quite miserable. Obviously also because he was so far from, like, well, what he was used to. Mm. And also he had to live in, like, and a very small quarter. Lack quarters. Of, I mean, I know they still were probably milking the cows back then, but... Yeah. So I'm saying he probably did have cheese. Back then, but <laughs> very important. <laughs> yeah. So that probably wouldn't have added his misery, but he would not be happy with the situation yeah. right now. Because yeah. <laughs> isn't... Cheese is a bit short. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In, um, in demand. Okay, do you want to speak about uh, Darwin or are you done with Napoleon? Uh, yes, he's checking it off the list. Yeah. Anyway, Napoleon, I mean, yeah, it was interesting. It wasn't one of the re things we wanted to see on the island, but I, I guess, I mean, it is I mean, just such a brief part of the history that yeah. it's it's good. I'm happy we did, and like also just to hear, like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that um, so, some of the islanders, or at least one of the islanders that we spoke to, yeah. They seem to feel like Napoleon has like taken over the the yeah, history of the island because there's so much more and so many more important and, and people. And it's almost like the the main yeah. thing that people know main, about. Like Napoleon is sold as one of the main attractions of the island, which is not how the islanders feel. About. Oh, not all the islanders. Yeah. Maybe some of them. Some of them might, but yeah. But no, the main thing he said, like one of the streets was used to be named after one of the first people. I think one of the first British who was here, and they renamed it Napoleon Street, and it was. Mm. I mean, it must have happened a long time ago, but it was still like <laughs> felt felt very bleak about that. Yeah. It's like, why do we name the street after Napoleon? Mm. Anyway, um, yeah. Also, maybe we should talk a bit about Robert, or should you want to talk about him later? I think we should talk about him when we speak about the saints. Yeah. yeah. So he was the one who gave us a tour. I uh, will mention. Uh, he had, he had some. Yeah. Told us some, some nice historic facts. Or well, do you want to mention things because you might forget them later? No, I don't know. Well, okay. uh, he told us a lot about the history of the island, and I mean, he's. Do we know his age now? He's 87. 87. Yeah. So a lot of the history of the island, basically everything in the twin, almost everything in the 20th century, he was actually here on the island to experience it. So he told a lot of the things, stories he tells are like personal experience and history at the same time. Mm. Uh, so yeah, very interesting person. Um, what was the next point? Darwin. Darwin. Well, I just wanted to mention well, Darwin. Other people that came here. Yeah, and yeah. Darwin was one of them. Uh, you actually, we we from the library got a book with um, speaking saint uh, Yorns from the islands, yeah. which is all Yorn is like basically a story or mm. when you gossiping, gossiping or yeah. talking like catching up with like your, uh, your it's a yarn. Yeah. yeah um, and they were all written by um, people of the island, and one of the stories was um, a fictional story. Fictional about story about Darwin and the the um, owner of one of the brothels and and the the local governor, yeah. uh, which was quite interesting. A Obviously, party, yeah. yeah, a dinner party at the governor's house, and how they yeah. And, and the conversation, yeah, like just the kind of conversation that would have been raised with Darwin at that time about specifically about how people thought about yeah, just his ideas. It was before yeah. he came here before he went to the Galapagos and before he wrote um, theory of the uh, species, evolution of the species, yeah. which is obviously like 
what made him famous, but he was already, I think, quite well known, and people already knew his ideas. So, yeah, the, there was obviously in the fictional story a discussion between, like, all the people, even the, the proprietor of the brothels, who was Catholic and who thought it was, like, just unheard of what he was proposing the Darwin yeah. as like but he came across as a very uh, educated and smart person so it was like anyway it's uh, I mean yeah Darwin is one of the people who uh, he spent some time here on the island apparently he wrote a bit about the geology he probably also I mean like about the the, the birds and the, the plants here but he's got books, some books. Yeah, so he actually yeah. donated one of the books he'd written here, which is not in the library, it's actually in a special an archive. Uh, selection in, in the governor's, uh, when in the castle, which is now where the, it used to be where the governor, well, I think it's still where the governor mm -hmm. uh, holds office, mm -hmm. um, and uh, the administrative like, uh, like building, basically. Um, who else? Um, Joshua Slocum. Joshua Slocum, who we mentioned last week in the episode. Mm. He came here on, on one of the last legs of his uh, travel around the world. Um, Captain, Captain Blight of the yeah. Bounty. Well, he didn't come here on the Bounty, but uh, he did come past here. Um, so many people, actually. It's like when you read the history, it's like all, everyone, especially, uh, well, uh, the British in those those days passed by here, so it's like it's got so much history, and yeah, just just fascinating. And I mean, I guess the thing we mentioned maybe about Jamestown, like the 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 town is still looks exactly the same as it did probably a hundred or maybe even two hundred years ago. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's not it's not like a, a museum or archaeological site. It's actually a living town, which is still. I mean, yeah, which is also just gives so it a very, very it. nice charm to it, because mm. it's like it's. I, I love places like that that haven't changed, but are still like yeah. A lot of places like the old buildings are kind of become museums or something. They're they're, they're well taken care of, but they're not used anymore as the way they were, and this town is still used the way it was so many years ago. Um, and yeah, all the people who've been here, like it kind of, I mean, it, I don't feel like when we walked on the island that you've got the sense of that, but it is like, it is interesting that like all these people who've played, I mean, especially a lot of sailors, like uh, also the, the captain the, uh, on Darwin's ship, I forgot his name, on the Beagle, also, I mean, he was here with Darwin, so a lot of like big names in, in like sailing history, like, I'm not talking Washington. like 18, yeah. 19 history, uh, century history are came past here. Mm. Um, the prisons of war? Ah yeah, so in so it was ruled by the British, well, mm. since after they took it from the Portuguese. Uh, so in the, the thing they usually call it the Anglo-Boer War, the war that the British fought against the Boer who in, in South Africa, uh, they took prisoners of war from South Africa here. So some of them died here on the island and were buried here. You can't really see where the the camp was because it was basically tent, a tent camp. Like, but uh, um, um, Robert did all show us where it was and like told us a bit about the history. So I guess for a lot of South African people, especially Afrikaans people, a lot of people he said like come here and they have like some relative who either was prisoner here or some even were buried here. And actually, when we talk about that about the island to 
some of our South African friends, like some of them is like actually. Oh, sorry. It's just uh, it's the the little ferry boat that came came past. Uh, we'll definitely need to talk about the ferry ferry here, yeah. but we'll talk about that when we talk about Johnny and Lexi the local, which is not the actual ferry boat. The actual ferry boat. They used it for one day and then there was something wrong with the engine and then they, now we're back to Lexi Ann. It's just the same size of boat, but anyway, uh, I think we've posted a picture of it on our Instagram. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll try to post a, a link to it on the comments. Um, but no, what were we talking about? Ah, oh, yeah, the, the history. Yeah, we're talking about the Boer Wall, uh, Boer, the yeah. Boer Wall and also about Denis Zulu, who we have to mention. Yeah, yeah. He, he was... Um, Zulu... Leader or the son of the Zulu yeah. leader Zulu that uh, yeah. that uh, British also fought when they were uh, in charge of South Africa. Yeah. He was brought here also in exile. He lived actually somewhere like at the top of town because yeah. it's still the house where he lived. He, well, it's probably not looks the same, but like apparently also had this garden there, and he. Um, apparently he converted to Christianity, but he still had more than one wife, so I wonder how that went. But he kind of became part of like the, the local society, because I mean, the, he was uh, of royal um, royal blood, I think was the term, so I guess for the British, even though he was a Zulu king or, or prince, like he still, like apparently he became, like in, those, in the time he was here, like kind of part of uh, local society and like yeah, um, which is also quite interesting. So yeah, um, so yeah, his, history is like there's some links with South Africa, mm. even apart from the, that the Dutch tried to take it, which was around the time that the Dutch actually uh, Cape of Good Hope before Cape Town existed was actually Dutch. So there's definitely always been a link with Cape Town and South Africa. Um, yeah, I see you wanted to say something. Not in, in line with that, but. I mean, yeah, go ahead. The, the slave trade being outlawed, ah, yeah. yeah. So I think in the uh, end of the 19th century, uh, slavery and slave trade was outlawed by the British, but there were still um, ships taking slaves from Africa to either South, Af uh, South America or to the US. I think probably usually first to South, South Africa. So for a while, the from uh, St. Helena, they, they tried to well stop the slave trade, so they actually would board the ships and bring the uh, slaves to shore, to shore yeah, here yeah. to recover, because they were usually, like the conditions on these slave ships, I mean, is anyone who knows a bit of that history, and if you don't know about the history, please look it up, were, were really treated very badly, I mean, large portion of it never made it to the other side so they um, were brought here and apparently like at some point I think there were I think about 20,000 or like definitely a lot of uh, freed slaves although it's not very clear they were technically freed but eventually they were sent to the US anyway as like laborers, laborers yeah. indentured laborers which is basically the same as, as slaves although mm -hmm. technically they weren't slaves but so there's definitely that part of history which is quite interesting because it's like I don't know if, if people here feel like it's part of the history but for us it just seems like it is it it's says, important, a, yeah. says a lot about I think 
reading the history on, on the, um, in the, the book I got from the library about the East India Company, because it was so remote and it was like, life wasn't that hard here, but on the other hand, there wasn't that there were, much. There were times of hardship. There were times yeah. of hardship because basically, yeah. it, and it's still the case, um, they grew um, produce locally, but most, most things came by ship. And what happened when a ship came here, they would trade, so they would trade local, locally grown uh, things with whatever the ship had. So if there wasn't a ship for a long time, like, things would run out, which interestingly enough is, is still happens today. I mean, it's not as bad, because now there's an airport, so in, in an emergency, or they can just get things by a plane, but most things still get by ship, come in by ship. Um, so there was like, but on the other hand also, since it was ruled by the East India Company, which basically was like, they ruled it kind of like a military style, and at, like at different times there were like uh, mutinies, and like at some point actually, um, I think it must have been the soldiers here on the island took a ship and, and, and actually got away, because I guess they weren't happy with how the regime was here on the island, but it just uh, to me feels like that's still a little bit part of the island, at least like some part of the culture of the island where there's like a little bit of um, how do you say it like um, resistance resistance to the authority or whatever, which definitely vibes very much with with me and I think with Kay as well. On the other hand, some people on the island are very like seem to be on the other side of it, very law-abiding. So it's like. Uh, but it, there's definitely, it feels like part of the history is like being very, yeah, like kind of not just, I mean, it's it's just when, like a lot of things when people talk about it, they just, they'll have their own opinion about things and uh, they'll be very happy to share it and like just say like what they don't agree with, so which is, I, I really appreciate, um, yeah, is there anything, oh, I forgot now what we were talking about. I think um, do you want to speak about uh, the HMS now? Seems like maybe the right uh, place yeah. to so, mention well, it. Oh, we so, didn't really mention it. No, bit, no, yeah. But, yeah, so yeah. shipping, it's always been, shipping has been important. So after the Suez Canal opened, there was like far, like it, basically all ships went through the Suez Canal. So the ships wouldn't, main shipping route wasn't via uh, Cape of Good Home and via this route anymore. So there wasn't, weren't like regular ships coming anymore. So the... There were still some ships, but they basically they had to get uh, ships specifically to come past here, because it meant that not only that like they wouldn't get um, supplies. Supplies. It also yeah. went that meant that people couldn't get on or off the island. Yeah. You basically you'd have to wait till there was a ship, and then mm. they might not take people on the ship. So for a while there was um, uh, a cruise liner or a lining li like. Like you had the shipping lines between Europe and New York, there was similar similar ones stopping here. When that stopped in the 1960s, actually the local government or the government of the UK um, put into service the RMS Saint Helena, which is a Royal Mail ship, which had a so it was uh, the it went from the UK via Las Palmas, Ascension, then here and then to Cape Town and then back. So that would be the regular line, and it would um, take goods and mail. That's why it was a royal mail ship. But also had like space for I think what was it like about fifty people? It sounded like quite luxurious, and it wasn't a big ship. 
wasn't like a Titanic or a, or a cruise ship, but like much smaller, but sounded quite comfortable. Um, and I remember when I first came to Cape Town in 2014, the mail ship was still actually um, like around because they've only built the airport. I think they started building in 2015. Yeah. And I know people were talking about like because uh, I think by then they knew the mail ship wouldn't be around forever because they were building an airport. So people were talking like, oh yeah, which wanting to go to Saint Helena on the mail ship mm. because it's last opportunity. Uh, like, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think the last mail ship went in 2018. I think there's a uh, like there's on um, the Placard, yeah. on the the fortifications that Kay mentioned. There's actually someone that painted "Welcome RMS Saint Helena" and then above it uh, "Goodbye RMS Saint Helena" 2018. So that must have been one the last when it came past here the last time, which must have been like yeah. When you read like uh, about it in in the book in the nine about. Uh, written in the 1980s, or in like one some of the stories that uh, yours from the island, where they write historical, like about it was in the 1960s, like boat day, when the mail ship arrived or whatever ship it was, was like a big big day. Because first of all, all the mail would come, which was back then the only way to stay in touch with people who were abroad. Which I think we'll talk about a little bit about the link between people on the island and and off the island. Um, but yeah, it was also like when when relatives would who may, they might not have seen for for a long time would arrive. So it was like very very exciting. Um, but uh, yeah, like we said, so the R RMS Saint Helena was around from the nineteen sixties till R or HMS R RMS. Oh, okay. Royal Mail Ship. Oh, okay. I think it's, it's uh, but now yeah, now we've got the airport, which is, yeah, I mean, I guess that's just how things like change it's interesting to hear different people talk about the the airport and like some feel like this like there's only one uh plane per week so it lands here on saturday and leaves for it i'm not sure if it's past johannesburg or cape town but basically that's the only so it's a, it's apparently the uh who said it like it won the prize for being the most efficient airline airports in the world but it only has one flight per week so it's not that difficult to be efficient but quite interesting um and yeah like it, it, i think every second week or sometimes it flies to ascension and then it flies back to uh south africa on a sunday but it means that now people can actually fly use a plane to to get to the rest of the world it's also it's, it's quite expensive because we we kind of, well, as we were saying, like we weren't sh at some point sure of our commitment to continuing s our sailing, so we wanted to look up what was the option for flying back, but it would cost, I think, 30,000 rand. One so way. One way for one person, which is like, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's like divided by 20 or more or less to US dollars or euros. Um, but yeah, it's quite expensive, so local people do. Uh, visit family sometimes but it's it's pretty expensive the other thing is like so as we were talking about like the the ship bringing in all the goods which has always been been the case now it's like there's a small container ship that uh, travels between South Africa goes via Walvis Bay and then here 
Um, also so goes via the UK also. No, it doesn't. That ship doesn't go to the UK. I think it gets. Oh, it gets containers for from, the UK. Yeah, that are shipped to to I'm Cape not Town. Actual way. I think it does the UK route because because Johnny said that they have to wait for containers from the UK to be no, offloaded. No, no, in Bay. Anyway, I don't know. I would be surprised because it's a small ship. I wouldn't. I'd be surprised if it goes all we'll the way. See to how the small UK. it is when it arrives yeah. next week. Yeah. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> It's still the main way to get goods uh, on the island, so now the ship has been, it was supposed to be here, I think last week or a few weeks ago, which is like every six weeks, it used to be once per month, until like last year, the, apparently the contract changes or whatever, like, and uh, so they were without the ship for a while, now it's every six weeks, but now this one has been delayed, which you actually notice in the shops, like even when we arrived here, they told us like, well, there's, there's no Coca-Cola on the island, there's no um, cider, and certain vegetables and certain things are, and now uh, are not available. And that was like a month ago. And now we actually start to see, like, actually all the cold drinks have basically run out. Um, yeah, and you like see empty shelves in the empty shops shelves, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, which is not like it's you not like people. Eat. Yeah, it's yeah. not like people are gonna starve here, but yeah. it is. It does have an impact. I mean, no, like it's the interesting thing is also like. Um, We'll talk about a few of the people we met, but Peter is one of them. Um, he's a he's a local. He's a saint now. He said he's officially a saint, which is the the term the uh, people on the island use to describe themselves. People from Saint Helena. Um, no, he says like there's there is internet, but it's very expensive, and even for the locals, it's it's not very like um, very fast. Um, they like people have TV, but like most most people are pretty much like it's so isolated and so on on its own that like whatever happens in the world is like not really major concern here. But what is a concern is like what's available in the shops or what isn't. That's what people talk about. So also the the last week when we were so. We'll have to talk about uh, the Consulate Hotel. I think we mentioned it a we little bit. We have spoken quite a bit about uh, it. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, which is for us like kind of the hub of when we go, when we go to town in usually where we go use the internet and also well where we meet some of the local people. We end up talking. Anyway, last week there was the rumor first of there being cheese available on the island, and then this week on Monday. Oh, was it on Monday? Yeah. And then actually, the, um, your friend Lisa, yeah. Lisa, who is like it's behind the bar, it's not actually a bar, it's like, a, like kind of the, the coffee station or whatever you call it. Uh, and at the consulate hotel, she she saw that people were coming out of the shop with cheese. So it's like <laughs> she took, she literally took care. Like, you said, like, no, I'll get it later. It's like, no, you have to get it now. They're gonna run out very quickly. And also, it was rationed. You could only have two blocks of cheese. Uh, and a block was so not tiny. like in South Africa. If you imagine a block of cheese, it was half of that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, what had <laughs> happened because the ship was delayed so much, they actually had imported some via the plane, which had landed on Saturday, and so the shop wasn't open in the weekend. So on Monday, there was cheese in the shop. And you were limited to buying only two blocks yeah, exactly. per person. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like. It was even, she said it was even on the radio, I think. No, it was on the radio because someone had said that the gift shop had cheese. <laughs> on the radio. And like she she was dousing it, but then she con she said to me, no, it's true because somebody told me, and it was on the radio, <laughs> that Serene's gift shop has cheese. 
<laughs> Which is unusual because it's a gift shop. It's not like a, no. a food place. No, yeah. it's also. I mean, the the interesting thing is like the the supermarket like um, star is like the the supermarket. It's it's like it would be like a, a little bit of a bigger corner shop in in mm. South Africa. Like yeah. uh, it's it's definitely. I mean, on the island, it's it's the biggest shop, but it's it doesn't feel like a big no. shop. But if you're used to all the other little shops. So there's a lot of like small shops and also the interesting thing is if something is available in one shop it won't be available in other shops mm -hmm. so actually it makes sense to go to all the different shops to see what what's available mm -hmm. uh, but yeah and then the, the the rumor mill or the actual like the word on the streets and there's two local fm radios i think and two local newspapers so like yeah it's also interesting that that is exactly what is like the news on the island what's available in which shop but anyway the the ship the container ship is arriving on Tuesday. Monday, Monday or Tuesday now. So it's going to be quite ex exciting to see. Wednesday. First of all, see how it's offloaded, and also, yeah, see how like more things are going to be available in the shop any, uh, again. So it's not anymore that the mail or the people are coming via ship. So it's not as important anymore as it used to be ship day, but it's still like it kind of does impact the island quite mm -hmm. a lot as, as to what is like what's available. Um, so yeah, which I, I kind of like, but also it kind of shows how, I mean, when we first arrived here, it's like, how come there's no, so little vegetables available, because mm. there's like so much green land, like you could plant a lot of veggies, but apparently there's not really, like, concerted effort to, to grow vegetables, so whatever is grown by someone will be in the shop that week and then it will next week will be other things mm. which is the thursday morning we uh, when you go to town for fresh for local fresh produce yeah um but yeah so just like the whole rhythm of the island and the whole life on the island we, we quite like it i mean it's like you can complain about the things not being available about them not being an internet or the internet being slow and expensive and all those things but it's like well if you want those things like We've, we had those things in Cape Town and like mm. for us maybe it's like yeah one of the charms of the island and the things we like about it so for us it's not something we we feel badly about right? no but I think we also it's the perspective because we're just passing through yeah I know yeah. but I, I could see I mean not right now could see us live here at, at some point in our life and I think I wouldn't I mean I could I could get used to this I mean we have gotten used to it but I could could see us, us living here, I think. Hmm. Should we talk a bit about the locals? Yeah. The lo I mean, the people we met. The saints. The saints? Yeah. Well, first the saints. Cause yeah. Though the first person we met, you want to talk a bit about Johnny? Like, he wasn't the first person, actually. Our first, uh, very first person was Colin. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, it was Johnny in the morning who took us, and then Colin who took us back. Because Johnny always does the morning ferry. Oh, I just thought it was Colin because he offered us a fish. Could've I was been. on the way back. Oh, okay. Anyway, so this the the ferry, as you kind of heard in the background, uh, was actually Johnny who came mm. past. It's it's a it's a. I mean, I I thought it was a a little dinghy. It's bigger than a dinghy, but it's a, one of the small wooden boats. Like wooden boats. Yeah. Um, Her name it, is Lexi Ann. Lexi Ann, it's like open. You jump in it from like board it from your boat, uh, from your sailboat. She has a little tiny dog house, just big enough yeah. for one person to stand in. So it's open at the back yeah. and it has a little like um, like folding 
window or how yes. do you call it that yeah. you can open um yeah it's it's very cute it's like we, we love it like we've, <laughs> yeah and it's so the thing is like we've got a little we got our own dinghy which we used the second week we were here we, we were using it until i got my burn and then it was quite difficult for me to move for a while and now we've gotten so used to actually using the ferry so the ferry goes every hour on the hour but if you're on the boat you actually have to on VHF radio call on channel 16 call a ferry service ask them to pick you up um, and then yeah I think you pay two pounds per two person, and a half per person for return. a return yeah. so it's not very expensive um, and yeah it's also like uh, it's also usually so Johnny kind of uh, he he's got other people doing the, the uh, I mean steering the ferry, but he's usually here in the mornings and also when no one else is here it will be him and I think it's him who kind of has a contract to to run the ferry service. So it was I think it was the first person we met anyway. Um, he told us there's a local greens on the island so i'll just use that word because i don't want to like incriminate him but <laughs> if you know what i mean uh if you wanted some something to smoke um and like yeah i know it was it was very it's been so friendly with like just actually this week he uh, a friend of his brought like so local people a lot of the people grow like in their gardens they've got bananas as like and other fruit he actually brought us like a whole big, what do you call it, a stem, stem of bananas, yeah. uh, which we ended up uh, distributing between the other yachts because it was too much for us. Um, but it's just been so so friendly and so helpful, and it's like it also knows everything that goes on here. I feel like Johnny is the darling of of the island, the darling, mm. because he's just such a lovely guy. Yeah, he he's is. so sweet. Been, he's so it's helpful. Just, he's just, yeah. It's just, so oh. also, especially for us. Yachtis and also other yachtis if you need anything like when we had issues with the engine we just asked Johnny so do you know who can help us with that it's like okay I'll, I can get you in touch mm. and he knows he also knows everything going on mm. on the island yeah it's like there's a there's a harbor master like the sport control who's in theory runs the the harbor I mean the wharf mm. But it does feel like it's actually Johnny who actually knows what's going on yeah. and I, I've, I've noticed that if the harbor master needs to know what's going on on the wharf. He'll probably talk to Johnny about it because <laughs> Johnny's here like the whole time and he knows yeah. all the look. He's he does um, so he doesn't just do the ferry. He also does um, charters, charters, yeah. and and I don't know if he fishes. It. Well, he fishes himself not commercially, but mm. like he knows all the fishermen because he also ferries them across. Mm. So whatever you you want or need, like he'll be the one to talk to. And it just also is just a really lovely person. Yeah. Um, I think we'll ask him if, if he's uh, keen to be on the podcast with us because we would love to just have a chat with him to hear, like, yeah, his experience of living on the island and how things are. But yeah, a really lovely person. Um, uh, actually, I want to talk a little bit about the wharf and the wharf steps. Okay. Uh, so when you take the ferry, like it actually lands on the, it's called Wharf Steps, and when you look at historical photos, the Wharf Steps have been there for at least since the 1960s, I think. So it's literally like concrete steps going down to the water. So you got obviously the tide, but also the swell, like sometimes the waves wash over the, the steps. So this steps are different heights, so that at any time, even on high tide with big swell, you could step off the boat 
onto the wolf step without getting wet and then there's like a, a like a, almost a monkey bar so like a yeah. big bar that's hanging half over with ropes so you can lift yourself on and you can off use the, ferry. the ropes to pull yourself up yeah which is yeah. also how the local fishermen get their uh, catch off their boat onto the uh, onto land and then they'll go they'll, actually all the boats including the fish boat, fishing boats which are all like small boats uh, moored on their little uh, moorings and then they take the ferry to go back to land so the wharf steps also is where uh, local kids or local people go to swim because it's beautiful like yeah there's the steps to get into the water and it's a beautiful part of like it's beautiful to swim around there's so many fish and, and rocks and it's a bit protected and then yeah so that's on the one side of like Jamestown and then going to Jamestown you got the wharf which is where still the containers are but it's not where like the so the there's no no way to moor a ship, even a small sailboat, let alone the container ship. So it used to be that the container ship would offload all the containers or even like cars or whatever they were bringing onto a little barge and the barge would then be offloaded onto the wharf. Now you got uh, on the other side of Jamestown, like across the mountain, you got uh, Rupert's Bay where they're kind of building a sort of a new harbor, but it's, it's not finished yet and I think that's where the container ship will dock but then apparently the containers are still brought to this side so anyway the wharf has like all the containers stacked up which i i love the view of containers k is a bit of a different view of it but like I, I, for me even before we were sailing in cape town like i just like love the view of container stacks i don't know why but it's just <laughs> remember when we were in cape town and i was like we were actually looking towards table mountain it's like oh isn't it beautiful like, Kay thought I was talking about Table Mountain, but I was talking about the stacks of containers <laughs> in front of it. Anyway, you, now like all the containers, like because like basically the empty containers go back onto the container ship. Uh, so by now, almost all the all, like all the containers are empty because the new container ship is uh, arriving soon. So they've moved all of them onto a big stack to load back onto the ship. But Kay likes it much better now that there are no no containers on the wharf. I mean, I kind of agree because it opens up the view, but yeah. I mean, anyway, it's it's quite interesting that the wharf is like kind of what, what in, in in a little seaside town or in, in Cape Town would be like your waterfront. But here it's actually a wharf. It's still a, like, it's part of the harbor and you actually, I mean, we have to go there to, to catch the ferry, but normally you're not even, it's part of the, the harbor, so you're not allowed to normally go there, and it's still where the... I need to go to swim. To yeah. go to swim, yeah. which was apparently, oh, anyway, yeah. wasn't allowed and then was allowed. But anyway, I, I, I love the wharf, and it's also where um, the yacht club is. Maybe we can talk a bit about the yacht club. Well, just about the wharf first. There's yeah. also a cat. Ah, yeah, wharfy. Wharfy, yeah. Because <laughs> oh, so he lives a wolf the wharf. Cat. He's a bad, bad cat. <laughs> But apparently, uh, Donny, there's also a beautiful swimming pool on, on the wharf, closer to the yeah, town. Yeah, so just on the moats uh, towards the... Yeah, we'll talk about that. So Donny uh, is one of the lifeguards there. It's one of the things that he does. Um, he was telling us, no, that th there is a cat at the swimming pool, and that cat's name is Teabag. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Wolfie, he said he spoke to... This, he was sitting at the wharf, like, with his mates, and... Uh, this little kitten came by and they started feeding it some bread that they had bread with them And then he went and spoke to the harbour master to ask please can we have I want to have this cat at the wharf Like I want to this is my cat, but I want this cat to live at the wharf 
And then he said, the half mask was asking him, but why do you want a cat that lives at the wolf? And then he said at that moment, the cat walked by with a big rat in its mouth. And then Oops, that was it. settled it. Yeah. So this big fat cat lives at the wolf, doesn't really live, have a house, but he's got a little blanket and somebody feeds him. Um, there's like a bench there that he lives on or sleeps on. Um, but yeah, it's cat's called basically rules Because there are other cats there, but I think wolf is kind of like... Yeah rules the wharf yeah <laughs> yeah also there's quite a lot of cats on the island i mean yeah they just seem to i mean not not that many that mm -mm. you think it's strays but it's like you can see that people love their cats and the cats like mm -hmm. cats do they seem to either even if they belong to someone they kind of like do their own thing so especially when the weather is nice you can see them just lying on the steps or something that's at the shops yeah, yeah. so the the yacht club. Ah, yeah, the yacht club. So yeah. it's kind of in the middle of the wharf. It's like an old building, actually a little two-story building. Uh, it isn't open. It's it's. If you compare it to most yacht clubs we've been to, even the more like the older ones and the more rundown, this is like really. Basic. You would say it's very, very basic. basic. Yeah. I wouldn't say rundown because it's no. been taken care of. Yeah. But it's like an old building. Also, all the all the buildings on the wharf. So it's. You got the, the concrete wharf which is like kind of in between the rocks and the water and then the, the mountain going up so the buildings are built onto the rock so the back wall of the uh, of all these buildings is actually rock it's like quite quite special uh, and uh, it depends like it's, it's completely volunteer run um, we met case who's like the local, the current commodore but they on wednesday evenings they have fish fry which is kind of the highlight of the well definitely for the yacht club but also a lot, a lot of the local people come there and obviously us yachties we always the first thing we m mention to arriving yachties is like if you're you know about the, the fish, fish fry, fry Wednesday yeah. like you have to go there um, which is actually Donnie helps out with the cook with Raymond, the cook. Raymond yeah. who's like who's got his own recipe for the bot better for the fish recipe, which yeah. is actually tuna uh yellow yellowfin tuna mm. but yeah the batter is like his, his own secret recipe and it's really delicious um but yeah no it's it's really cool to see like the little yacht club do, like mm. like it's, it's a little social hub on the and it's beautiful it's on the yeah. wharf it's like on, on a wednesday evening so you see the sunset over the like it's, it's just uh, yeah, a lovely place to hang out i feel like it's probably like i don't know if i said it before on the previous show it feels like the true essence of the word club yeah you know like normally uh like the yacht clubs and stuff it's like somebody there's people in charge and they make all the rules mm. and you have to abide by them but and then mm. but then you've got also all these services do you mean to push pause yeah. i'm pausing because i need yeah, so yes. kind of uh, yeah, the yacht club. Yeah, we we're still saying how uh, like clubs are meant to be like groups of people doing mm. things or organizing things together, but usually it's like it's a there's being, a uh, committee that yeah. is in charge and they make all the rules and they arrange all these things for you. But yeah, it's like if it's you like all kind of club. Yeah. yeah. You participate, <laughs> so which we is became, quite nice. became yeah. members because they've got they got a, a washing machine you can use for five pounds per load, yeah. and they got showers, which in theory are hot showers, not always hot showers. But yeah. There's also free showers next to the wharf steps, which mm. we've been cold using showers, also yeah. cold showers, yeah. which usually is more than warm enough here. Mm. Um, but actually, we 
not just because we were using the showers, we actually, I wouldn't wanted to become a member anyway. Yeah. So we both became members, which cost five pounds per year, which is just yeah, very funny because yeah. like, if you see how much, I mean, being a member of a yacht club, it's it's not like ridiculously expensive, but it's definitely not not cheap and definitely not anywhere near that anywhere else. Um, so because we are members, actually, case the local, the current Commodore asked us like, well, you're also supposed to help out a bit. So we've been helping out on doing the fish fries to be behind the bar. And set up, we help us set, help set up as well, up. yeah. But especially being behind the bar, it's nice because you get to chat Interest, to more people. Yeah. yeah. And it's also nice just to, to help out. Uh, okay, let's, I'm mean, just okay. checking the VHF awesome. radio. Yeah, okay, then. Just Okay. Um, so yeah, no, the fish fry is like really lovely and it's just, yeah, I think they sometimes are open other days, but like we said, the fish fries are kind of the, the highlight and like it's also nice because a lot, like some of the local people come there, like usually people that are somehow, uh, which, I mean, I don't know if I could call them ex expats, but usually people who, like a lot of them are people who've lived on the island for quite a while, but are not like native to the island. Oh, it's, it's, they're calling the ferry service. Yeah. So yeah, there's people calling the ferry service to get a ride to to shore. It's actually uh, Heike, our neighbors on the on Udo on the German side. Um, yeah, so that's that's the yacht club. Yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit about. Well, we we haven't actually talked a lot. Well, except for, for Johnny, we haven't talked a lot about the people we met. Your case was actually. The after Johnny was the second one, we person we met met like that we actually got to talk to. He's from the Netherlands, but he's been living on the island. He arrived here by sailboat uh, on his yacht, uh, I think three years ago during COVID, and then kind of got stuck here. And now he's basically become a local. Yeah. He still has a sailboat. It's anchored out on the other side of the bay, but he's is uh, a girlfriend here, and he's like starting some projects and yeah really helpful uh, really friend friendly guy I really like him I mean I just clicked with him straight away when I heard he was like doing like I mean we were talking about growing the vegetables here and like how the island could be more self-sustainable and that's actually the project he's involved with and uh, well not involved with it that he's actually um, Starting, starting yeah. is to have a desalination plant to basically have water like in most in I'm sure it's in Europe it's the same but in South Africa you got um, places where you can fill your water bottles with like uh, water that's been like uh, filtered or reverse osmosis so the problem is here on the island like you now this time of year there's there's been a bit of rain and usually there's enough rain to supply, to, to have enough water for the water supplies, but there's been years when there's a drought and then the, actually the island runs out of water, which is like a bit, um, I mean, we've been there in Cape Town a few years ago, but uh, which maybe the problem there was bigger because it was a whole city running out of water, but here, like, yeah, if there's no water, they can't just import water, like, it would cost a fortune to get a, a a tanker full of water to come here like, would be not, not feasible. So one of the things um, with this desalination is that at least uh, desalination system that it would at least allow local people to get um, 
water even if there's a drought, plus you wouldn't have to import uh, water bottles, which like, reduces the waste. And anyway, really cool project, but it's he's been struggling with it a bit. Uh, he told us about it, and actually this week, uh, yeah, I was actually on the, in one of the two local newspapers where um, he was talking about the issues he's had to get it started. So um, hopefully for him that will will get put some fire under the ass of the person who needs to approve it. Uh, but yeah, okay, so he be actually became um, um, Commodore because apparently the Yacht Club was kind of like like there wasn't much happening and then him together with a few other people decided like well we'll we'll, we'll um, take over and we'll actually get things going again and now it's it's like yeah it's quite active and it's like integral part of the social life here on the on the island hey it's not only for yachties, like, the yeah. locals also come down on a Wednesday. And yeah, it's very nice. It's like, I guess yeah. it's also nice that it's a way for locals and yachties to mix, even though like this week we ended up sitting with all the yachties because some of them were new and we hadn't really gotten the chance to catch up with them. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's still a little bit like yachties on one side and locals on the other side, but it's, it's still it's a nice, nice social uh, gathering, like also mm -hmm. people bringing like, with the children and like no, it's it's it really feels yeah, it's a really cool thing to to organize. Great. Then you want to speak a bit about Peter? Ah yeah. So we I think when in the first uh, in a pre not the previous uh, episode, but in the one where we talked about uh, Saint Helena first impressions, we mentioned consulate hotel. Interesting thing is like we've since like read like a few books and like. Consulate Hotel is mentioned everywhere, like it's been around yeah. since I don't know how long, but it's yeah. like it used to be the only hotel on the island and it's like it's mentioned in so many different ways. It's like kind of like it's like it's it's right in the middle of like the um, what is it called? Not the promenade, like the, the little the Grand Parade. Grand the Parade in yeah. the, which is not Grand. Not that grand, but for the <laughs> island it's grand, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it's opposite the post office, so it used to be when the mail ship arrives, it's where people would wait to see when, if, there was, if the mail had arrived at the ma uh, post office. And it still is like, kind of feels like a bit of a s social hub, because just people just come there for a coffee or a, a piece of cake. And also just sit on the couch and watch TV. TV, because yeah. the TV is always on. Yeah. When, so we'll, we'll have to talk a bit about the coronation. Yeah. Of King Charles, but mm -hmm. like for instance, when the, the on the day of the coronation, TV was showing the coronation also, and so one of the people, well, the first person we met there was Peter. Actually, mm -hmm. on the first day we arrived, when we were trying to figure out money and internet and all the things, yeah. we knew it was one of the places where there's internet, so that's one of the reasons we got there for the internet. But not just that; it's just also to talk to the people there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Peter was like, yeah, if you can't come right with money and you need to go online, I can. A bit of money, give a bit yeah. of money and and so you can at least go online um, and he's basically you know he's, I would say he's like a man of the world although that's still sounds like he's, he's had so many he's, he's uh, originally British mm -hmm. but he's sailed around the world solo at least once and I think he's mm -hmm. sailed so much he's been a professor he's run a he's at a bookshop he's lived in South Africa for quite a while 
with the last uh, how, how many years? He's I don't know how long he was in, but he lived in Franschhoek. Yeah, no, but he's, he's lived on the island for quite a while. Oh, I think yeah. at least fifteen years or something. Yeah. yeah. So he's like officially a saint now. Uh, he actually was helping out. At the, there's a, quite a few people helping out at the hotel. So it's like it also seems pretty informal. I mean, it's not very clear who works there and who doesn't. I mean, for a few, apart from a few people who clearly work there, other mm. people are just are always around it seems and helping out. Uh, but he also has a farm. Uh, it's actually he owns a farm um, on the in the country, as they say it, like mm. high, higher up. Um, where it sounds like he's moving back to, because he was staying at the hotel for a while now to help out there, to help out Hazel who owns the hotel. Um, but now he's been super helpful and he's like, and, and actually any yachty is like, because he is a yachty or was a yachty, is like, like basically he told us, like yeah, if, if it's ever too rocky on the boat, we can just come and sleep on the couch in the hotel and like yeah it's, it's just very helpful to help like yeah, yeah. i mean even took, he took us to go get spring water oh, yeah, yeah, i mean i don't want to say that he's going to do this for everybody it's just in the interactions that we've had yeah, it's just it, been, he's been really wonderful and he even gave us some ginger sweets to help oh, yeah. with seasickness i mean he's given us last week we bought bananas he's just like very generous to yachties because he has like a compassion for yachties and the, yeah. and, and the hardships that the yachties experience yeah. while they're on the water. Yeah, and maybe yeah. he sensed that when we arrived, mm. we were like a like <laughs> a little bit frazzled. Frazzled. So he's been like been very like yeah, mm. uh, just he's been very kind to us. Yeah, yeah. and also uh, I mean we actually even uh, we've only we've actually heard from other yachties that he's like very like he sailed so much. We haven't mm. even asked him about the sailing stories. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get up with him and maybe also even get him to be on the podcast to tell us some of his stories. Um, yeah, so the Consulate Hotel is just, it used to be the only hotel, now there's a, a new hotel on the, across the road, which especially Peter has no good words for, <laughs> basically did. Well, it's, it, it sounds... Yeah, okay, I feel like I'm throwing Peter under the bus a bit. No, 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 no. But it sounds like the, the, there wasn't really a consultation with the, uh, the Consulate Hotel when they built the airport. They decided yeah. to build this hotel to go along with it, but there was already a, a, a hotel here. Yeah. But what I can say is Hiker Point Star, she read in the newsletter that the new hotel got very bad reviews. <gasps> recently okay so what apparently is the, 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 <laughs> new, is the, the new hotel is actually owned by the government and yeah. it's like case said they built it together with the, uh, with the airport. airport to like kind of promote tourism <laughs> so one of the grabs peter has is that like the government is spending a lot of money promoting tourism to the island but also kind of promoting the hotel which meant that now the the other hotel the new hotel that the consulate hotel is hardly getting any guests anymore Right? Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Yeah. Anyway, um, but Peter, really interesting, like, yeah, old salt. I wouldn't even call him old salt because it doesn't, we've met some old salt. But anyway, it's been super friendly, super helpful, and like every time we go there, we, yeah, it's been a nice chat. Um, who else did we meet at the Consulate Hotel? Oh, we met uh, James Hearn. Yeah, we don't, actually, interestingly enough, like our friends from uh, South Africa, Cape Town, um, Holger actually mentioned him before because at some point we were discussing with him like the possibility of sailing back to Cape Town from here mm. which since then we've realized it's, it's a bad idea. He told us talk to Peter because Peter's done it mm. a few times 
and talks to James Hearn. He, he said uh, runs a um, chandlery on the wharf, and there's only one chandlery there, and we didn't meet him there. But afterwards, we actually met him at the hotel. And since he knew or the, heard that we're yachties, he actually came to talk to us. And was also very like helpful and trying to like encourage us, encourage us to, to yeah. Uh, so he used to he sailed with his family around the world. Like his his wife is uh, from New Zealand, but they met here in Saint Helena and they've got I think two kids or three kids, or four kids. Okay, I don't I didn't count the kids. I just saw a few kids around. But he's now actually um, has a orchard. Might be three. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. That. He's got kids, yeah. <laughs> and they, they sailed together actually. Because yeah, no, he did introduce the kids to us and mm. how old they were when they started sailing yeah. and how they were. So they're on. They live now in Sandy Bay, which is on the other side of the island. Very beautiful part of the island. We just drove past it when we did the tour with um, Robert. Uh, they got an orchard there, and actually he said like one of the reasons he started the orchard is because there's so little fresh produce here, especially for yachties. So he seems to focus on growing especially stuff that yachts can use so things that stay good for a long time uh, I think the apples we bought in the shop this week might have been his because he said he has apples and there were apples in the shop this week so uh, also really interesting person he's actually his boat or their boat um, Carpe Diem is like uh, more quite close to where we are uh, he says he's like he's planning to get it into working order again because that's the thing with the sailboat if you don't like keep sailing and then keep taking care of it after a while it needs a bit of love and care to get sailing again but he was planning on the next governor's cup which is one of the two races that sails from Cape Town to St. Helena the other one is called Cape to St. Helena uh, I was gonna participate in that again because apparently he did it before and he said he was became fourth in his uh, I don't know overall or in, in the, the one he was in the category. Category yeah. was it? Anyway, also very friendly, very helpful person. So he was also it, very yeah. like enthusiastic about chatting about yeah. sailing. Yeah. yeah actually, because yeah. we were trying to do some internet stuff. I think it was last week when I was trying to upload the previous episode. So I was like very focused on that because it's like, just the internet here is so difficult that it like took all my concentration. And he said, "Yeah, come sit with us." And then after <laughs> his family left, like actually came to sit with us mm. to talk. Uh, it's also actually, as far as the only saint person born on the island we've met that's actually sailing, which is also yeah. feels. I mean, yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, I think a lot of people here fish and are on the fishing boat, so they do live on the water. But the, almost all the people who sail are yachts who ended up here on their way around the world, because as we said, like if you sail around the world, you end up usually going around uh, South Africa, Cape. Good hope, and then on your way back to the Caribbean or even back to Europe, you stop here. So it's like, I think how many yachts per year? Two hundred. That's what they said. Yeah. yeah. So we've actually, yeah, since we've been here for a month, we've seen people leave, we've seen people come, people we we'd met before, like first Cassius who was here um, as we arrived, we left the week after. Then, uh, so yeah, there's been quite a few boys arriving and. Like leaving. Um, the other boat we knew is uh, Endo 2, we met in Walvis Bay. Actually, they were there at the same time as Cassius was, so she had a bri on Cassius. Um, and now Trinity, who we actually we didn't really meet, we saw them in 
Hard Bay because they arrived in Hard Bay uh, just the week before we left there. Uh, so they've they've arrived here now too, and they're probably like the those are just apart from us three boats here now, which is Endo Two, Trinity, and Cerebus. Yeah. Cerebus is a well, it's not. A, I don't know if the boat is French. The people on the boat are French. The the actually Cassius had also met them in Richards Bay. Anyway, so it's we we becoming part of that network of like of people you meet a lot somewhere along the way because everyone who even if you're not sailing all the way around the world, you're kind of following the winds the, and the, like you end up all stopping in the same places around the same time because you even if you're on the different schedules, you end up seeing the same people again. So we're starting to become part of that little network where you, you meet people in one place and then you see them somewhere else again, uh, which feels quite nice. Um, yeah, Cerebus, actually the French couple with their two kids and uh, two people crew, they bought a boat in Tanzania, like a massive, massive in monohull. In yeah? Kenya? Oh, Kenya or Tanzania? Yeah, Kenya. Okay, uh, like a uh, big steel, 60 foot, like it weighs 50 tons, it's like it's a massive sailboat. Very old school, like very bulky, apparently very slow. They sailed from, I think they come from Walvisbeer. Um, it took them 22 days, which is double what it took us, so it's going to take them a while. They're actually sailing back to Europe from here, which is, yeah. We thought about it, and we, after reading about it, like you can sail from Saint Helena towards the Mediterranean, but it's pretty much against the wind and current for a big part, and it's very far, so it might take them two or three months to get there. So like, yeah, it's pretty brave. Uh, but it's quite cool to see like a, a big boat that's like also a little bit more. Well, it's definitely more run down than ours, but like compared to some of the boats we've seen which are like the brand new shiny catamarans this is like an old bulky steel monohull so they're doing it on a really low budget which is nice to meet people who do it like that because often compared to most other people we're on the lowest budget there is like some of the even people who are like not on the big shiny new catamarans you notice like they're most of them are in I mean difference the boat is in a different price range and also when you see like yeah it's just it's not I mean for me it feels nice to know that we're not the cheapest ones out there <laughs> they're like there's I more people like doing it on a low budget I feel like like our boat is small and it was also strategic uh, yeah but we don't like we're not like lacking for anything no, I mean exactly. we eat us yeah we actually stuff, our so budget is actually like our budget is actually uh, right for us. But I feel like, like we made a decision as yeah. to where we, how we want to have Do our this. trip, and I think everybody yeah. really does that. Yeah. So it's yeah. the whole thing is about sustainability, I think, mm -hmm. and financial sustainability. So actually, the reason they're going not to the Caribbean but to uh, Gibraltar is because they're they've run out of money, or they they've run out of money, and it's easier yeah. to like it would be very hard for them to find a job because well, visa and, and work permits and that anywhere else so they're going back to Europe to uh, earn some more money luckily we do have a bit of savings so we're not bound by that as much but then uh, I, I guess I want to make the comparison because most of the boats we've seen arrive here at least five or six of them are were brand new catamarans built in South Africa 
on their way to on their way to either one of them was a delivery skipper bringing it sailing it to the US or to the Caribbean but often it's uh, the new owners who sail it often with either crew but often with a delivery skipper because they've got this brand new fancy catamaran big catamaran but they've got very little experience especially of sea sailing so they get a delivery skipper to help them which is quite interesting um, I mean, yeah, interesting that like so many catamarans, I mean, we knew a lot of catamarans were built in South Africa, but I didn't know there were, there's actually a few brands I hadn't even heard of. Um, and it's, uh, it's interesting because we feel like we're, it's not like they're doing something completely different than what we're doing. We're all sailing and cruising and we all on the one hand have the same concerns and worries and, and experience, uh, experience. Yeah. but on the other hand like just what they like yeah the budget they're on and also the, the 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 things that are important for them like a lot of these boats have like uh, Starlink uh, satellite internet and they've got like they've got like new systems and like usually their problem is they don't have enough uh, solar power to run all the electrics they're trying to run but it's like yeah, quite different from I mean yeah, from what, what we're doing. So it, I think it, I feel like it feels nice to to meet other people who are like doing it on like older secondhand boats. Mm. Actually, Trinity is quite similar. It's a it's a catamaran, but it's like it was actually one of the boats they bought. They bought their boat in Nizhny in South Africa. Uh, one of the boats I was at some point looking at. It was a little bit out of our budget, but not completely un uh, like unfeasible. Where these new catamarans they literally cost a million dollars, which is like. That's like, yeah. That's just not even like, not even our wildest dreams would we be able to afford that. Um, yeah, and also, well, um, it was n nice to because of um, those boats coming past, meeting some people who are like delivery skippers. So some of them are like professional crew, so paid crew, and some of them were like, yeah, basically paid delivery skippers. Uh, I especially want to mention Graham. Uh, from Durban, so South African, who's been, he's actually working on getting his own boat, a catamaran that he bought. He actually bought the hull and the deck, so like basically just a, a shell of a boat, and building everything himself together with his, his wife. And he's become a delivery skipper as a profession, like he does a few, like three or four deliveries yeah. a year. Yeah. And he's basically, um, paying for for his boat and like his lifestyle that way which is something we've thought about I don't think we have at this moment enough experience mm -hmm. but it was nice to chat to him and also he's been super helpful with everything just mm -hmm. telling us like giving us advice, advice. Yeah. I mean both case and and him and Peter and like all, all the yachties we've met here like have been super helpful like mm -hmm. and that is I think the thing with yachties like they're very happy to share especially people who have a lot of experience mm -hmm. We haven't met anyone who's like, yeah, who hasn't been like extremely helpful, mm. and that's I think that's for is 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 like what what it is about. It's interesting because there are in some places these supposedly old salts yachties who basically sit at the bar of the yacht club. They often have their own chair, which is like uh, <laughs> might not have their name on it, but like if anyone goes sit on it. You'll hear it, and they've got all the stories about how you're supposed to sail, as and but they've never actually left 
like they are, they might have sailed around the, the yacht club, but like but they've never actually sailed anywhere else, and they have got the strongest opinions, but the you are the least helpful. I mean, we haven't met a anyone like that, I think, but it's no. it's kind of a cliche. But luckily, we've met the opposite, which is like the people who have been very helpful and like have so much experience, like more than we would ever gain ourselves, and have been like nothing but friendly and helpful, and like more than that, actually supportive like because they 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 sense that we like at some point they're like a bit not sure about continuing and they want to like encourage us yeah. it's like no it's like it is really worth it and it is like <laughs> and actually giving us advice to just to make it so that we wouldn't give up which has just been been really lovely yeah is there anything else we we put on our list of things we were going to talk think, about i think that's really good yeah, yeah. Uh, i feel like we've got there's still so much more to talk about uh, about Saint Helena and, and the island and the people that I'm sure we'll we'll do uh, at least one and probably a few more episodes on it. But that's like been kind of the experiences we've had in our first month here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I mentioned I got got burned by soup. We've, like we've uh, we've had our, our engine that didn't seem to start. We've had our, our well, we've been. Rocking around a lot on the mooring. mooring, which isn't, it's not the worst, but it's also, I mean, so we've had a few things which were, but I think, don't think it, we've, since we've been here, there's been anything major, major that, no. and I think we just, the reason we're staying here, which is, I think, a bit different mm. than in Walvis Bay, is on the one hand, because we just love it here, and we feel like there's more for us to experience here. The other part of it is we practical. Practical. Yeah. We've ordered a few things. I mean, Kay's ordered some of the medication she she needs, which will take another month to get here. And we're just ordering some uh, boat supplies. Boat supplies, yeah. which can come from Cape Town and can be flown in, but it's still it's yeah we have to stay around here for a bit. Um, but yeah. So our plan is to leave at the around the end of June. Probably more like July. I'm thinking June. But yeah, I'm just <laughs> thinking like if it's if if the things are coming by boat, which it sounds like your 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 uh, medicine, we we might not. If, uh, yeah. It depends on if the boat's delayed or. Yeah, not. and if we're waiting on other things to arrive, we'll we'll have to see. But uh, we we at some point we were thinking of hauling the boat out here, which apparently is possible and cheap. But I think we've now decided against it because yeah, it's. The facilities are here are a little bit limited, and yeah. Anyway, we'll see. But we we definitely planning to stay longer here, and it's not just because we're waiting for stuff. I think it's uh, I think we've de we decided that that's why we ordered all the things because we were planning to stay here longer, and then yeah. Most people come in and go like they come for like two weeks and then they leave. That's what we oh, found. Some with people stayed for one night and then yeah. left. But yeah, two weeks seems to be like kind of the, the average. average. Yeah. Which kind of, on the one hand, makes sense because it's not, yeah, it's not super cheap here. The the food and and well, so if you want to use the internet, uh, and I guess it's in theory not that much to see, but on the other hand, I feel like there's so much. On the other hand, so much to see here that yeah, for us it makes more sense to stay longer. Um, yeah. Right. I think that's the end of this week's show. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, uh, yeah. Please yeah. get in touch if you have any questions. Questions or, or yeah, yeah, any anything feedback. to share. Yeah. Yeah, and also yes, please feel free to share 
the podcast with anyone you think might be interested in or just share it on social media because we would love to get more people to hear it because we want to, I mean, just as other people have, are motivating and have motivated us to get to where we are and keep going, we're hoping that we can do the same with, by sharing our experience. Right. So yeah, we'll have another episode next week's Friday. And until then, yeah, feel free to get in touch. Okay, bye.